Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and my co-host is program with Nathan Lear. We're both directors and private client advisors at Hewison Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Uh, this week, Nathan and I have a chat about the need for advice, um, even for those who have been highly successful with investment. Um, we just discussed some of the pitfalls that we see a number of clients um, fall into uh, when they do manage their affairs on their own and, and just go through a number of the things that we think people should pay close attention to. Um, just remember this is of general nature so please don't act on anything that we're talking about and always seek independent advice. Um, so on that note I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, the audio might sound a little bit different to what it usually does. Uh, this is our first podcast where Nathan and I are not in the same room and we're doing it remotely. So um, bear with us with, with the recording, but we're hoping that it turns out okay. Um, this week, Nathan and I wanted to have a bit of a chat about uh, the need for advice, even for those who have been pretty successful with investing. Um, Nathan, like 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 myself, I mean, you've probably been in a situation over the years. I've been an advisor for almost fifteen years, and and you're not far off that. Where we we actually meet a number of clients who have been pretty successful um, investing, and I suppose there's a lot of people out there who have shared probably similar success. And quite often, they probably ask themselves, you know, is is it necessary to seek advice, or or do they even need an advisor, whether that be an accountant or a solicitor or a or a uh, financial advisor. And, and I suppose just um, leaning on our experience dealing with clients like this, um, what, what I suppose I've found in particular is that as their asset base accumulates and as they get to you know, quite a substantial amount, it doesn't have to be that significant, but, but once they, they accumulate a fairly large asset base, the overall complexity of their, their affairs can really increase. Um, so, so that's why I suppose today we, I was keen to have a bit of a chat about some of the areas that, that you and I have both sort of identified where, where even clients who have been pretty successful with investing uh, might be lacking. Um, I, I suppose just to kick things off, one of the things that I really um, notice quite often, in, you know, I suppose with, with individuals who are managing their own affairs is that quite often um, the, the tax implications of their investments can often not be structured in the most effective way um, and as we've spoken about a few times on this in this podcast um, you know the implications of tax can be quite significant and, and quite often it can it can result in almost half of the return um, being being eroded through tax so would you agree that sort of taxations one area where people I suppose are lacking because it can be quite complex yeah, de definitely tax planning is one and um, I mean we always encourage uh, any any client of ours to anybody in general to work with a team of professionals and and that's a you know, say for example us a good financial advisor and and a good accountant so uh, and other professionals but in terms of tax the accountant would be the one that you'd um you'd like to think your client would have a good working relationship with and but then it does cross over into the investment uh, scheme uh, sphere as you just mentioned Glenn um, and yeah like quite often I mean one example that just popped in my head then if there's a if there's a big capital gain um, on on an asset for parcel of shares, for example, uh, a prudent way to if you want to reduce that exposure could be to sell over multiple financial years. And as you mentioned, just working with an advisor, um, you know, if, if the 
if the investor made the decision to sell, they might just sell it in one go. But having an advisor or an accountant that's uh, kind of holding their hand, working through it with them, uh, might give them that, that better advice. Yeah, definitely. And I think that from a, um, as you were saying, from a pure tax perspective, it, it is important to have that team around you. So having your advisor working with your accountant to get the right structures in place, because um, I say, as I said earlier, worst case scenario, um, the tax on earnings can be, you know, 47%. However, you know, best case scenario with the right structure, it can be 0%. So there is a massive difference, isn't there, between having a highly tax effective structure and, and, and not perhaps paying any attention to it and just investing it in, in your own names. That's right. And, and sometimes, yeah, people, uh, I mean, you probably heard this before, God, I've had it a few times where clients, they'll come to you and they, and they talk about, oh, yeah, we, we, we bought this asset, whether it's, let's say it's a property, we bought this property in, in somebody's name, but we wish we had bought it in the family trust or, you know, or the super fund or whatever it might be. Um, so you really need to make the decision or, or make the right decision at the start because that can have significant implications, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later when you might want to dispose of that asset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's, it's definitely, um, I suppose, beneficial to get the advice from day one, but in a situation, I suppose, where you haven't um, and, and you know, you've got to a point where you think you might need advice, I suppose the value of that advice is that you can potentially time the sale of that asset to a period where perhaps your, your, um, your taxable income can be lower. So yeah, as, as I was saying, from a pure tax perspective, I think there can be a lot of value in, um, in obviously seeking advice at the right time. Um, I suppose just just moving on from the was there anything you wanted to add from a tax perspective? No, that's all from a from a tax point of view. That's fine. Yeah, I, I suppose moving on from from the tax implications. Another thing that I suppose I'm finding is becoming ever more, um, I suppose, top of discussions with with a lot of clients, in particular those who are, I suppose, um, in retirement and perhaps um, later in life. One one thing that is, I suppose, taking priority is the estate planning implications. Um, and, and quite often, a lot of people just don't understand the simplistic part of estate planning where, you know, they don't understand that assets that they've got in superannuation or assets they might have in a company or a trust actually don't automatically form part of their estate. So, so they could have all of these um, sort of estate plans in place and, and think that they're hopefully going to achieve those estate planning objective, objectives without really understanding the implications of, of having um, assets in multiple entities. Um, I mean, what, what, what are your sort of thoughts surrounding that? I mean, from an estate planning perspective, are you finding that it's becoming sort of a, a major focus in, in client discussions as well? Yeah, d definitely. And once again, I'd probably start with the point I made earlier about the, from a tax point of view, working with that team of professionals and, and firstly, uh, it's surprising how many clients or people we see that don't have an estate plan in place. So they actually don't have a, even a basic will, for example. Um, and then as the complexities of a, of a client situation can, can change and become a lot more complicated, maybe as uh, if they have businesses or, or other structures, family trusts and things like that, you may need the, the more specialised uh, estate planning advice, um, you know, whether that's around... Uh, you know, or seeking the services of a family lawyer, um, you know, even things like second marriages where it can get quite complicated. So I'd probably start with the point I said before, just having that team of professionals um, because it is really important that the more complex your affairs are that you do seek that right advice. And it's really simple things sometimes as well, isn't it? I mean, just simply 
not having a, a nomination in place with your superannuation benefits can be a, you know, that, that can be a bit of a, bit of a disaster, um, you know, from, for, from an estate planning perspective. But I think even more importantly, in particular, if you've got a self-managed superannuation fund, um, having binding agreements in place, just to make sure that the wishes that you have are actually dealt with um, in, in the right way. Because I suppose what a lot of people don't understand is that unless you put the right nomination in place, it's actually a, a lot of people have nominations in superannuation that aren't binding. So it can be the trustees of the fund that can have ultimate controls to who receives your benefit. So it's just really simple things, isn't it? Just, just like a make, making a death benefit nomination. But, but I think also, right. I was just going to say, Nathan, I think also that the uh, tax implications as well. I mean, we, we're fortunate enough in Australia that we don't have um, estate duties like what they do in other parts of the world. But I mean, through superannuation alone, the tax implications can be quite substantial, can't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, you know, we've spoken probably before about on this podcast that, um, you know, if, it, if the death benefits paid to a, uh, a non-dependent, non-superannuation dependent, there's up to 17% in tax. So uh, of the taxable component of your superannuation fund, and look, it can get pretty complicated. I've just kind of thrown a few terms out there. But um, once again, seeking that advice, um, planning it as, or starting the planning as early as you can, you can hopefully try and minimise some of that tax. Yeah, and I think, as you said, I mean, trying to, to minimise that tax can be a fairly complex strategy. But for the sake of our listeners, I mean, the thing that the thing that I suppose they need to consider is that there are ways to minimise that tax and even completely remove it, so long as you've got um, the right advice. Um, because, you know, we've seen situations where purely from an estate planning perspective, you know, death benefits tax, it can, it can be in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you can look at minimising that, that'll far outweigh any perhaps costs of, of getting the advice. Um, and, and even, I suppose, a situation where, which, we're, which we'll chat about um, in a few moments, but even situations, we've had clients that have had terminal illnesses and, you know, if there was a situation where the benefits were paid to adult children who weren't financially dependent, there were substantial tax implications. But um, in that situation, there was an opportunity where you could withdraw the money out of super and not pay the tax. So there is just different things that I suppose need to be looked at um, from a pure estate planning perspective. Um, I suppose one of the other things that I'm sure you've come across, Nathan, and, and I do quite a bit, is, is portfolio diversification or, or lack of diversification. I mean, I'm sure we've both come across situations where you've either got a client who owns an investment property or two investment properties and that's you know the only asset they have or they've bought um, an Australian company share and had dividend reinvestment and it's just resulted in a substantial um, holding in one company. I suppose that that's probably another common thing that, that I've seen clients um, have that I suppose elevates the risk a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, we spoke about this in 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 a superannuation context. We spoke about um, the fact that many many superannuation uh, investors um, in say industry funds, for example, don't quite understand the the asset allocation of their of, of their superannuation fund. Which, which we're not saying um, that that's necessarily that it's a bad asset allocation, but just having an understanding of the risk profile. Um, and similarly, if a, if a client has a lot of exposure to one asset class, um, you know, residential property, for example, um, or a, a portfolio full of shares, for example, we're going to be having the discussions with those clients around, well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but just understand the implications 
uh, if a particular market moves in a in a downward spiral, um, just just yeah. be aware that the implications that can have on your overall wealth. And, and that's probably a good point because you know quite often when people are working and they're earning income, the risk of having you know a highly concentrated portfolio is probably quite low. Um, but then when they move to whether it's retirement or a period where they're sort of relying on their assets to meet their income need, that's where the risk of that you know single asset or two assets or or just any portfolio that's got a number of assets that are dictating the performance of the portfolio, the risk can really be elevated. And as we always say, you never want to be in a situation where you're forced to sell an asset. Um, and quite often the reason why people are successful with investment is because they've bought an asset and held it for a long, long period of time and never had to sell it. So they've sort of ridden through all the, the fluctuations of markets and maybe short-term downturns. But if you're in retirement and you're relying on that investment to meet your income needs in the market, sort of comes off and, you know, the income's affected, that's where you could um, sort of be exposed to risk. So just because you've been successful in accumulating the wealth doesn't mean that you're going to continue to be successful um, as your situation changes. Or, an or another example of that one, Glenn, which, which, I mean, I have seen this before where somebody, they, they may have an investment property, uh, it could be a substantial value investment property, you know, $1 million or $2 million, for example, which might be you know, generating income, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, whatever it may be, um, and then they they lose a tenant. The the tenant decides to move out. It might take yeah. them three months to to replace that tenant. So they could have a period of say three months where there's no income being generated. So, um, yeah, just an example, a real life example there, where having kind of all your eggs in one basket um, can hurt you if you're relying on that income. Yeah, and I suppose that's where there's a big difference between capital growth and income, because as I was saying, when you're still working, the income from that asset isn't really an issue. So if you go through a short-term period where you're not getting rent, well, probably doesn't hurt you too much. Um, and obviously the capital growth over time can provide that really solid return, but you're right. I mean, there may just be a period that if you're not working anymore and, and the tenant moves out, then what are you gonna do? And I suppose one of the issues having one or two assets that aren't highly liquid, like property, I mean, you can't sell part of a property. so that that can present a number of um, number of issues. Yep. So look, just um, I suppose the, the the final thing that I've sort of had on my agenda to chat about um, it probably doesn't relate to investments as such or portfolio management, um, but it is something that that I have confronted a, a few times um, meeting with prospective clients and people who haven't sought advice before. And, and one of the motivations behind a number of people. Um, from my perspective, seeking advice, is that they've been in a situation perhaps where they've managed the family's finances for you know, a number of years and probably haven't involved their partner or, or their children so much. Um, and, and the concern is that as, as they age and perhaps as they wanna take a back, sort of a, a, a backward step with regards to management of their affairs, that there's no one else who's capable to do that. Is that something that you've sort of confronted in the past where you know, someone's sort of advice because they just want to have, um, I suppose, a backup plan or, or even a succession plan with the management of their affairs and, and introduce their family to someone else who can provide that expertise? Yeah, definitely very common, Glenn. I've had that, you know, as recently as the last few months, I've had a couple of clients mention that um, where they want to involve someone, you know, a professional advisor into the relationship. And um, further to that, I've also had um, certain clients want to bring in their kids into the relationship. So they might have you know, one or two children, three children. Um, they just want you know, the children to meet me, the advisor in this situation. So if something was to happen to them or you know, as they get older and 
if they were to lose uh, mental capacity down the track, they've got that that um that, that connection there where their their kids can work with their professional advisors, whether it's their financial advisor, their accountant, or their solicitor, for example. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's one of those things that the sooner you start, you, you can hopefully find an advisor that you know the whole family group can can work with. Um, and if you do it early enough, then you can build up that trust and that rapport. So it's a very smooth transition. But but I suppose it's it's an advantage to have you know the, the perhaps the whole family group make the decision as to who um, the advice is going to be because at some point it does affect everyone, doesn't it? For sure. Um, that was sort of the main points that I wanted to chat about that I had written down. Was there anything else that you had, uh, Nathan, that you think you know people should seek advice or, or what should prompt them to perhaps look at their affairs and you know although they might have done pretty well in the past that, that they should uh, seek some professional advice. Yeah, I mean, I, think I probably should have said this at the start, Glenn, I was going to, but it kind of got sidetracked. But, I mean, we've said on this podcast many times before, anyone can benefit from advice. And, I, I, I mean, I think we passionately or genuinely feel that where if you're just starting out, you're younger, you can benefit from advice. If you've got multi-millions of dollars in assets, once again, your situation is completely different, but you can also benefit from advice. Um, one of the things I was going to say is that a, I think a good advisor will help the, help the client just understand their goals and objectives because... Um, I can think of many situations where we have people come to us where they might have built themselves up to you know, their, their wealth to quite a, a, a good position where they've arguably they've built enough wealth to see out there um, or to meet their um, financial objectives, but they don't really, they probably haven't actually put those financial and personal objectives down on, on paper. So they don't really know what they're working towards. So um, I think that's where a good advisor can really kind of come into it and, 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 and ask the right questions and hopefully leading questions to get a really good understanding for, um, for what those clients are trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, you know, quite often you'll ask someone, oh, what's your objective? And they might say, I want $100,000 a year in income. But, you know, a good advisor will really try and flesh those objectives out in further detail, won't they? To really understand, okay, what's the motivation behind that income? What are the other things um, that, that are important that you want to achieve in your life? So I, th I think that's, you know, definitely a value um, I suppose the other thing just expanding on that people might not know what advice to seek whether it's should I get legal advice accounting advice financial planning investment advice um, and I suppose you know we, we see in our business our role is, is somewhat of a project management don't we where we can help clients identify perhaps um, what their needs are because we're you know we don't espouse to be tax specialists or estate planning specialists but the right advisor in each of those three areas will be able to identify what expertise is required and hopefully, you know, put the right team or help you put the right team around you to get you the best outcome. That's right. Cause there's a lot of crossover. Um, I mean, I, I, numerous situations where you might be making an investment decision, but there's, there's tax implications and there's also, there can be estate planning situ uh, implications as well. So yeah, once again, it's, it's important that your, your professional advisors, um, uh, are all across it and, and and involving them all in those important decisions is really important. Uh, absolutely. Um, look, on that note, Nathan, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, but look, to all our listeners, hopefully they've um, gained a little bit of an insight. And, and as we've been saying, it's really just important to look at your situation. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, you might think that your, your affairs are in, 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 good, in good hands or, you know, structured in the correct way. But you know, it won't do you any harm by just having a discussion with an advisor to see what perhaps you're missing or, or, or you're omitting from your, your affairs. 
Um, so always worthwhile seeking the uh, advice of a professional advisor. So we hope you enjoyed. Uh, sorry, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, the first, as I said earlier, uh, remotely. Um, so we uh, look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook. LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.